0: It is 9:21 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 17th of August, 2023, and this is episode 755 of Bitcoin, and we're live. I think I'm not sure. We'll we'll, we'll find out what happens. You know, when it's all, when all the dust settles, we'll find out if this shit worked or not. Anyway, uh, I we're I have this streaming onto Nostr nests at the same time that I'm recording. It looks like everything's going fine. Uh, let me just uh, make sure about something here. Because this is the first time I'm doing it, so I need to make sure that I'm not interfering with my recording stuff. It, uh, it looks like it's going okay. Alright, so we'll, we'll go ahead and get this, get this underway. Um, what do we need to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about Argentina and a little bit about this president guy that's the, you know, the, the Bitcoin president. And before we even get into, plunge into some of that stuff, I want to remind you that hunting season is coming up. If you want to go hunt in Southwest Colorado, uh, we got a house for you, three bedrooms, three bathrooms. Uh, we'll sleep eight, full kitchen, the whole ball of wax. Uh, it's 250 bucks a night. You're not going to really, honestly, you're not going to find a, a better price for a family of four because you're going to have to rent a couple of uh, hotel rooms if you were going to gonna, gonna go do that. But if you want to take your kids hunting, go out with your friends, whatnot like that, then, you know, yeah, sure. You did, 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 the link will be, the Vrbo, uh link will be in the show notes so that you can do that. Now, let's do, I want to talk a little bit about Plebeian Market. That's plebeian.market. Um, I don't, I, there's been a couple of Nostra, or uh, not well, I don't know if it's exactly Nostra-based. However, you can log in with your Nostra pub key, and you can sell items. Yes, you can. You can have your little stall. You can put items up for auction and for straight up sale. And I think that that's going to be important that, that they have both because it can act as sort of a garage sale. You know, you get rid of like, I don't know, you got an old amplifier laying around that you know what somebody else might like. That's not something that you you might want to put up for um, like straight sale. You might want to put that onto auction and see if you can get a better price for it by letting people you know bid over each other to do that. But if you haven't checked out Plebeian Market, it's got a nice interface. I like it. Like everything else that's new, it's got some issues. Uh, there's a couple of people that are saying that it's not hooked, That you, there's no place for you to get alerts on people that want to buy your stuff via email. And while I understand that that's a problem, we have this bad habit of wanting everything to be 100% functional out of the box in a completely new environment that we're not dependent upon centralized entities. And as long as we keep the attitude that we want everything immediately, but we also want it to be decentralized and not under the command of someone like Elon Musk, then we're going to just always be sad. And I don't want to be sad. I want to be happy. So I'm looking at plebeian market, and I'm seeing part of the future. And I think if any of you guys have like, you know, T-shirts, swag, I don't know, maybe it'll work to sell tickets. You can sell, you know, if you're like a bee guy and you got honey, you can sell it there too. Just give it a shot. If you got something to put up there, you might as well test it. All right, so now on to the actual news. Bitcoin soars in Argentina as Javier Millet, I guess is how you pronounce it, wins the presidential primary. All right, Helen Parts, Cointelegraph. The price of Bitcoin has jumped. To a fresh high in Argentina since the news that Bitcoin-friendly presidential candidate Javier Mille won a primary election on August the 13th with one BTC reaching a value of 10.2 million Argentine pesos on August the 14th, according to data from CoinGecko. While global cryptocurrency markets are experiencing a notable slump, some parts of the world are still recording new all-time highs for Bitcoin. In Argentina, Bitcoin has seen a sharp climb this week with BTC rallying 21% from 8.4 million pesos to 10.2 million pesos in less than one hour on Monday. Yeah, in one hour, 21% rise. I'm pausing right here to remind you that the Argentine peso was devalued 18% directly after the win. I have a sneaky suspicion that that might have something to be something to do with the fact that against the price of Bitcoin, we see a 21% rise. So just keep that keep that in mind, right? Because we got some other fish to fry on this one. At the same time, Bitcoin has been steadily gaining value against the peso since 2022, according to CoinGecko. Bitcoin has surged more than 210% versus the Argentine peso since. August 17, 2022, since hitting a new record high BTC price versus the peso has dropped slightly at the time of writing. Bitcoin is trading at 9.9 million pesos down around 3% from its all time high levels. The most recent Bitcoin rally in Argentina has been attributed to the presidential primary win by pro Bitcoin presidential candidate Millay or however you pronounce his name. After winning the primary with more than 30% of votes, Malay is now the front-runner in Argentina's general election set in October. As previously reported, he wants to abolish the central bank and adopt the United States dollar as Argentine's currency, Argentina's currency. The presidential candidate also believes that Bitcoin is a reaction against central bank scammers, while fiat currency allows politicians to scam Argentines with inflation. While Bitcoin has been at record highs in Argentina recently. The cryptocurrency has been on the decline in global markets. Yeah, no shit, dude. We're seeing a price drop today. We're, we're down under 27000 So in case you were going to find out the bad news sooner or later, better sooner than later. Anyway, since August the 14th, Bitcoin has lost 3.7% of its value versus the dollar, dropping below the psychological mark of 29000 on August the 16th, according to CoinGecko. The cryptocurrency has been gradually tumbling over the past 30 days, dropping nearly 5% over the period at the time of writing. Argentina is not the only country that has seen Bitcoin's price at its highest historic levels amid massive inflation recently. Bitcoin has also been trading near all-time high levels in countries such as Turkey, which reportedly saw its inflation rate rising to nearly 50% in July 2023. In July, Bitcoin climbed to the highest levels versus the Turkish lira, reaching a value of oh shit, eight hundred and nineteen thousand lira per one BTC, according to data from CoinGecko. Okay, well that's all great, isn't it? This this president dude is just he's the bee's knees, isn't he? Is he? It's good that Daniel and people like maybe Daniel—that's one of his handles on uh, on Noster, um it's good that he uh, he's around because it's, because Daniel has a memory. Daniel can remember things. You know what Daniel remembers about this guy? That last year he's being sued for a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, the Argentine, this this Javier melee that everybody is like, just like, woohoo, yay, Bitcoin. Yeah, well, not so fast because if you hadn't heard this one, we're going to do it again. This goes back to August the 22nd, 2022. Almost one full year ago, Argentine presidential candidate sued over alleged crypto Ponzi scheme. This is from Decrypt and written by Matt DeSalvo. Again, almost one year ago today. Argentina's eccentric Bitcoiner presidential candidate is being sued for allegedly promoting a crypto Ponzi scheme. Javier Mile, a top contender to be the next president of Argentina last year, uploaded an Instagram post to his 1.3 million followers promoting CoinX, a crypto investment platform that promised huge returns to users. The platform, which closed in June, had a huge social media following and claimed to use AI, bots, and expert traders to automate trades for investors and make them, you know, Lots and lots of money. In December, Mille visited their Buenos Aires offices. Quote, they are revolutionizing the way to invest to help Argentinians Argentinians with inflation, he wrote in the Instagram post. Quote, you can now simulate your investment in pesos, dollars, or cryptocurrencies and earn a profit. But CoinEx closed up shop after the Regulatory National Securities Commission warned that the platform had no legal right to operate in the country and ordered it to stop operations immediately. It also hadn't paid back investors the returns inspected expected. Oh, no! No shit? They, didn't, they, they promised huge gains and you didn't get them? No, tell me it ain't so. Now, a group of disgruntled followers are seeking damages because they followed Millet's advice. And didn't see any huge returns, Argentine daily newspaper Clarin reported over the weekend. According to the complaint filed by lawyer Juan Pablo Chisa, investors are now out of pocket between 30 million and 40 million pesos, which is roughly around $300,000 U.S. And remember, that was last year, $300,000 U.S. last year. Milei, a 51-year-old libertarian economist who favors Bitcoin and once called the central bank a scam, has since distanced himself from the platform, saying that he didn't trick anyone. He wasn't paid to promote CoinX. Yeah. The eccentric congressman, who avidly posts on social media, says he wants to save Argentina, which suffers from one of the world's highest levels of inflation. And he's doing well. Some polls put him in the top three candidates expected to win next year's election. Appearing in Instagram posts alongside dodgy crypto platforms is unlikely to do him any favors, though. Yeah, except we forgot. Well, everybody, but maybe Daniel. Because he remembered. Maybe Daniel remembers. It's like, like the dude's like Pepperidge Farms, man. It's it It's amazing. So... Well, all the time every single time, God dang it, every single time, a politician comes on board and starts spouting off about Bitcoin. Nine times out of ten, they're full of it, right? They're just they don't understand it. They just know that there's a voting block waiting to vote for them if they drop the word "bitcoin" out of their mouth a couple of times. that's that doesn't say a whole lot about bitcoiners as a voting block. I'm guilty of it too. I, I want to believe that RFK isn't a scumbag politician. I want to believe that this Javier guy in Argentina is not a scumbag politician. But the more they talk, the more it starts becoming evident that they're probably not really all in You know the Bitcoiners court. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but we continuously have to be vigilant about this kind of crap because... Just just scumbags are everywhere, man. It's just scumbags are everywhere. All right. Getting off of that. Let's go to this one from Bitcoin Magazine. Mark Goodwin is writing it. Educational project for private Bitcoin transactions. Coinjoins.org has officially launched. Yay. Today, Thibaut Marshall and Gustavo Flores announced the launch of Coinjoins.org. An open source project focusing on educating Bitcoin users on the privacy functionality of collaborative transactions, per a press release sent to Bitcoin Mag. Born from the observation of heated discussions surrounding popular iterations of CoinJoin tooling, CoinJoins.org aims to bring clarity to the differing benefits and trade offs that come from each project. Quote We hope that CoinJoins.org can open new conversations around privacy and Bitcoin. P2P exchanges, self-custody, and coin joins will be essential for the Bitcoin circular economy to flourish, said Thibodeau Martial, a longtime privacy advocate and current Wasabi wallet contributor. Excuse me. Marshall expressed the need for more articulate resources in order to encourage proper use of collaborative, non-custodial transactions, increasing the potential anonymity set for Bitcoin users. We need less paper on exchanges and more coin-joined Bitcoin into cold storage, he continued. Bitcoin is an open ledger, with all of its transactions inscribed in perpetuity since Genesis within its confirmed blocks. Being a public database allows each user to validate their own transactions and even audit the total issued supply of Bitcoin. Naturally, there are obvious privacy implications for this transparent blockchain. And thus, privacy on Bitcoin functions as a team sport. Payers and receivers that utilize the censorship-resistant quality of the Nakamoto Consensus can both benefit from coin joins protecting users from unnecessarily leaking personal or financial information simply when bargaining with satoshi 's privacy is a personal responsibility with social implications. The larger crowd, the larger the crowd, the better your privacy quote I believe. Coinjoins.org has the potential to become an unbiased source of truth on the topic of Bitcoin privacy that will finally dispel a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, says Flores, contributor to Wasabi Wallet. The project plans to release studies comparing popular privacy wallets such as the Samurai Wallet, Join Market, and Wasabi Wallet. Alongside the debut of the project's website, the founders of coinjoins.org are soliciting contributions, ideas, and general feedback to coinjoins at protonmail.com. That's coinjoins at protonmail.com. Go get you some. Any educational resource that we can get is continuously appreciated. Now, it's up to you to go over to coinjoins.org and see if this is above board or not. Is it right for you or not? Is it something that you want to send to like I don't know a friend of you asking questions about Coinjoin? That's up that's up for you to decide. I cannot decide that shit for you. So go over there and at least visit and then tell other people what you think about it. All right. Going back down south, we're gonna to go to Columbia, but before I do, any of the guys, let's see what's going on in Noster Nest. I got four people over here in Noster Nest. If you guys want to get some more people in there for me, I'd appreciate it. Throw it out, you know, throw the nest uh, address or URL out on your social media. Let's just see if, if we can get some more people. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but we kind of also don't know what's going to happen with CBDCs in Colombia because their central central bank recommends limiting CBDC holdings as well as spending. <laughs> Just, it's just amazing the hubris that humans have. You know, we just need to control everything that we see. And because we're the elected officials, we get to do that. And Helen Parts is going to tell us more about it from Cointelegraph. The Central Bank of Columbia has not yet decided whether or not to issue a central bank digital currency, but believes that setting limits on CBDC transactions could bring about a number of benefits. In its latest CBDC study titled, Expected Macroeconomic Effects of Issuing a Retail CBDC, Colombia's Banco de la República concluded the potential introduction of a retail CBDC doesn't pose any significant macroeconomic risks. In order to mitigate any potential threats associated with CBDCs, Colombia's central bank recommends setting holding and spending limits for the digital currency. According to the regulator, such a CBDC design would increase the security of funds. The CBDC holdings limits could safeguard users from cyber attacks targeting their balances or transactions. <coughs> yeah, it's for your own good, guys. For your own good. Setting limits on retail CBDC holdings could also allow regulators to deal with the trade off between privacy and transparency by offering diverse tiers of limits. Oh, you get the gold tier. Oh, man, this just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. For example, the Colombian Central Bank could offer digital wallets with small holding limits and a high level of privacy for people that place a high valuation to their transaction data. On the other hand, those who are comfortable with disclosing more data could prefer high holding limits and lower levels of privacy. Additionally, CBDC limits could be beneficial for commercial banks as they would reduce the demand for a retail CBDC as a store of value in competition with bank accounts, the central bank noted, quote, "The introduction of a CBDC could be an attractive alternative for some risk-averse holders of other cash-like instruments," the study reads adding that this could impact the demand for government bonds, commercial paper, and term deposit certificates. The study authors stated, quote, by imposing CBDC holding limits to its end users, this and other types of situations, the trade-off between privacy and security, could be easily controlled. There's your key word, control. While closely monitoring and studying the global development of CBDCs, the Colombian Central Bank is still uncertain about whether its nation needs such a digital currency. The decision of issuing a retail CBDC must consider the fact that it would also need to have enough desirable features to generate a core group of users sufficient to generate the network externalities needed to make it viable, the study authors stated. A number of other global jurisdictions and organizations have considered setting limits on CBDC holding and spending as well. In July... Major United Kingdom finance trade bodies like UK Finance argued that the government should limit users' digital pound holdings between 3,000 British pounds and 5,000 pounds. According to UK Finance, a higher limit on Britcoin holdings, such as 20,000 pounds per individual, could destabilize the traditional banking system by facilitating bank runs or deposit competition with the banks. In 2020, a European Central Bank Bank Director General of Market Infrastructure and Payments, Org Bindesil, proposed the adoption of a digital euro holding limit of 3,000 euros per person. (coughs) There's only one way this goes, ladies and gentlemen, to hell. This is dystopian beyond everything that you've ever heard of. If you think like, you know, you see a movie about like the aftermath of a nuclear war, this is actually worse. Why? Because even after a nuclear war, somebody's going to be able to find something of value and trade it to somebody else for something that they find valuable. The way this shit's going, you won't be able to hold silver, gold, Bitcoin, any of the shit coins, and you shouldn't hold those either. You won't be able to trade a house, a car. You won't be able to, to give your services to somebody without having to I don't to dox yourself to ask permission, eventually it's going to be like, I can't change my own tire on my own automobile unless I get a license to do so. I know right now that sounds stupid, but the further and further crap like this goes, the more probable having to get a license to change the tire on your own car becomes. Hell, I had to go get a fishing license from the state of Washington yesterday. I mean, it was only 29 bucks. But if I get caught with a rod and reel in my car anywhere along a waterfront in the state of Washington and I didn't have a license, that's a fine. That's a huge fine. I don't even want to deal with it. So I had to give them $29. It's protection money, man. It just gets worse and worse and worse. So continuously speak up about CBDCs. Make sure everybody knows that they're evil and that you're a... If you want to use the CBDC and you actually think it's okay, that's not the kind of person that you want to be hanging around. All right. Bitcoin mining researchers claim that new technology ups the winning hash chance by 260%. What's this shit about? Gareth Jenkinson from Cointelegraph tells us quantum blockchain technologies has developed artificial intelligence-powered algorithms that could significantly increase the mining winning probability of certain ASIC Bitcoin miners, its CEO, Francesco Gardine said in an interview with Cointelegraph. Gardine unpacked how QBT has incorporated AI to enable the smart tech of winning hashes as an alternative to conventional random searches. In two years, the company has developed several different patented methodologies by tapping into the expertise of some 20 experts from quantum computing, machine learning, cryptography, ASIC chip design, and algorithm optimization. QBT's machine learning teams have developed two different algorithmic search methods, which reportedly improve the performance of ASIC miners by increasing efficiency and winning result probabilities. Method A, in quotations, is said to improve miner efficiency by 10% while method B is set to improve the probability by 260%. Garden said that the company is looking to explore three specific areas, starting with a short-term target of increasing the mining performance of existing commercial ASIC chips by adding a software AI component running on a mining rig. The team is also designing a new architecture for ASIC mining chips to optimize Bitcoin mining, which it detailed in a recent Patent application. Meanwhile, QBT has a long term goal of using quantum computers to mine Bitcoin using an in development SHA 256 computation method that can operate on quantum computing systems. QBT announced a patent application in July of 2023 for the latter, outlining its architectural changes to Bitcoin mining ASIC chips, which it claims pre processes data used by future blocks on the Bitcoin blockchain. I'm laughing because I'm kind of not buying this, like, at all. It's almost like this is just pure bullshit. But it's that the thing about why I give you guys this news is because it's out there. These things can be the source of FUD. They could, you know, be completely fake. They could also be completely true. I don't know. But we have a little bit more. Garden said that the QBT message scheduling for cryptographic hashing ASIC, or the MSFCA is able to perform pre calculations of future BTC blocks before the current block is closed. The anticipate sorry, excuse me, anticipatory resource efficiency algorithm reduces the logic gates of SHA-256 ASIC architecture. Logic gates are software or hardware devices that carry out logical operations. According to Gardin, MSFCA allows miners to use fewer logic gates, lowering energy costs and improving the efficiency of ASIC mining hardware. The firm estimates that miners could free up to 8% of logic gates of SHA-256 ASIC chips by pre-processing data used by future blocks on the Bitcoin blockchain, which would make certain logic gates involved in the computation of that data no longer necessary on the ASIC chip. Garden also weighed in on the potential for these new methods to influence the Bitcoin mining industry as a whole. He said, that BTC mining is highly dependent on hardware configurations and hashing power of miners as well as expending considerable amounts of energy. Garden added that the probability of finding the winning hash increases the number and halving speed of minor, of a miner's fleet or of an entire pool as well as the corresponding energy cost while conducting a completely random search. Quote, There are no methods, intelligence, or strategy in current BTC mining but simply brute force and luck, quote. Although just a handful of ASIC manufacturers dominate the mining rig market, Garden believes there are minimal differences, features, or distinct advances between hardware aside from differences in hash rate and power consumption. He added that QBT's technology, which was mainly developed using Intel's block-scale ASIC chips, which were recently pulled from production, would provide advantages to any mining rig. The firm's technologies are being touted to give an uncatchable advantage using AI and SHA-256 optimization, and while QBT does not plan to open source its patented methods, GARDEN said QBT is considering different options to take its solutions to the Bitcoin mining market. Uh, God, this could include subscriptions, licensing, forming a joint venture, or outright purchasing the company and its associated technologies. Okay. Okay. Quantum computing. Um, I don't know. The whole thing, This whole thing gives me the willies. My gut reaction is that this is all BS. That QBT is just out there trying to raise money and making promises that they cannot fulfill. Do I know this for a fact? No, I do not. But I've learned in this space that if you don't trust your gut instinct, you're going to get run over by the train. My gut instinct right here is that I'll continue to watch out for this stuff, but I don't buy it. It's not that it's impossible. It's not what they're saying is impossible or completely illogical. It's just that I, I don't know, man. I, I, I just don't see it happening yet. I think that in the future, this is likely, but right now, I don't know. I'm I'm just going to keep my hands off of it. I, I'm not in the mining biz anyway, so I don't really have to worry about it. But it's implications for Bitcoin mining. If you are in mining, then you should probably be looking at QBT just to make sure that they're either not full of it or that they actually have some technology that could be useful in the future. Either way, women's professional basketball will we'll, we'll end the first half of the show with the fact that Coinbase has given out $120,000 worth of Bitcoin to WNBA players. Decrypt, Andrew Cohen. Cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase awarded $120,000 worth of Bitcoin to WNBA players on Tuesday as part of its ongoing sponsorship of the Women's Professional Basketball League. At the WNBA's Commissioner's Cup Championship on Tuesday, each player was given $5,000 in Bitcoin from the exchange players on both teams, the New York Liberty and Las Vegas Aces, had the crypto funds deposited into their personal Coinbase accounts. Each team has 12 players. WNBA players are also offered crypto educational content from Coinbase, which expanded its partnership with the N, well, sorry, excuse me, the WNBA in 2022. After the company became the n Sorry, I keep doing that. WNBA and NBA's first cryptocurrency sponsor in September of 2021. As part of the expansion, the exchange helped all of the league's players set up personal crypto accounts. Oh, in that Nice of Coinbase. Coinbase is the presenting partner of the WNBA Commissioner's Cup Championship, which streamed live on Amazon Prime Video, which almost nobody watched, most likely. I'm j- Hey, if you get mad at me for saying stuff like that, I'm just telling you the truth. Hardly, they have hardly any viewers. They, I mean, they have hardly anybody actually go to WNBA games. It just is what it is. But eh. the Liberty won Tuesday's final at Michelob Ultra Arena in Las Vegas, where fans were also offered NFT collectibles from Coinbase to commemorate their attendance. Jeez. No, stop it, please. Fans who received the NFT were also given a 25% discount to the WNBA's online store and a free single game viewing pass for the WNBA League Pass streaming service. Coinbase's WNBA partnership was criticized by some fans during last year's crypto market crash that saw the collapse of several crypto industry companies and projects that had inked sports sponsorship deals, including FTX. Voyager and the Terra Luna project. In addition to Coinbase's WNBA league deal, the exchange also sponsors the Liberty and the Seattle Storm, and has individual deals with star players Sue Bird and Jewel. What was it Jewel Lloyd? Is Sue Bird Larry Bird's daughter? Does anybody? If anybody knows if uh, Sue Bird is Larry Bird's daughter. Uh, throw it up into, into, uh, on Noster and, and give me a shout out and tell me, of course you idiot. I just can't look at it right now because I'm busy doing the show. Anyway, let's run numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. Earl is up oil. I got West Texas Intermediate up 1.6% to $80.66 a barrel. Brent North Sea up one and a quarter, 84.48. Natural gas up 1.85% to $2.64 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline actually going down today, uh, 0.65% to the downside, $2.84 a gallon. Gold is the only shiny metal rock having a bad day. It's down a half a point to 19.19 19 and 30 cents. Silver's up 0.8%, platinum is up a half, copper is up 0. 0.9, palladium is up 0. 0.9. Uh, ag is looking kind of terrible today. Biggest loser is going to be cotton, one point one eight percent to the downside. Biggest winner is cocoa, one point zero seven to the upside. I got live cattle down point zero six percent. Lean hogs two point eight no two point zero eight percent to the upside, and of course feeder cattle is down a third. I got the Dow. It's down point zero seven percent. S&P is a 0.01, NASDAQ down 0.14% and the S&P mini down a third. Real money clearly is down $27,807.28. I got what? What do I got? Oh, I got 0.56 BTC as the average transaction value. Median transaction value is $0.09. Cents. So the inscription guys are out in force again with their ordinals and whatnot. Eight minutes and eight seconds is the block time, so we're at a very low block time. Uh, 0.1 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 18.7 in fees taken overall in the last 24 hours with a 1.5% decrease in hash rate. Bit info charts is having our hash rate or listing our hash rate as exahashes per second. We'll find out more from mempool.space when we get there. Market capitalization for Bitcoin is $542.2 billion. Uh, That is 4.26% of gold's market cap. You can only purchase 14.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are... 19,460,093.07 19,460,093.07 of, and 4,661.69 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at just under $130 million. Got 16,318 nodes that we know about and 68,486 payment channels that we can see. 73.4% of the entire Lightning Network is being run over Tor. What's going on in MimPool? Eh. About 130, 132 blocks carrying 369, 369,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. High priority transactions going to cost you 11 satoshis per V-byte, low priorities at nine. If you have anything under 4.82 satoshis per V-byte, you're going to get kicked out of the mempools around the world. What does your mining say mempool.space? 426.3 exahashes per second. This is as close as I've seen the, number, the hash rate numbers from BitInfo charts and Mempool.Space match up. I mean, they're almost exactly the same. So we are probably indeed at around 430 exahashes per second, which is mind-blowing when you think about how much computation is being done. I'm number five on the fountain charts. And thanks to people like Nick, Underscore Dose with Striper Boost says cheers. Pies with a thousand says top 10 LFG. We're there, Pies. We're there. Yegro with 774 says surprised you hadn't started a Telegram group long ago. It would have been a great way to back up your audience from Twitter. Yegro, I just, I stayed away from Telegram for one particular reason. I just don't like the flow. I'm going to have to learn how to like it though. Because... Everybody still uses Telegram. I kind of figured that after a while it would eh, kind of wane, but it hasn't. Even with Slack and Discord, there's still so, I mean, new Telegram groups are coming online all the time. So I'm going to have to learn to to love the flow. And what do I mean by the flow? When I jump into a Telegram chat, I have zero idea what the hell's going on. Because so many th- there's like five discussions all concurrently happening. I got no clue what the hell's going on. It's hard to parse, but damn it, I'm going to stick with it. MCOT with 433 says, Cornify, verb, to integrate Bitcoin into a service or product. Example, quote, I cornified my bar last week, and now I can't get rid of all these plebs. Well, I hope they're actually buying, you know, drinks with Bitcoin. God's death with 370 says, Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pipe bomb with a hundred says very nice pies with a hundred. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. We're going to start this one off with grants from Opensats. Uh, this is was actually the blog post was posted on opensats.org yesterday. Uh, grants for BDK, LNbits, Nostr, and more. After announcing our first wave of grants for Bitcoin and Nostr projects, we're pleased to announce an additional wave of grants for open source projects in the space, and they are BDK, LNbits, Watch Descriptor, Stratum v2 testing and benchmarking tools. Fediment modules and resources. Amber uh, Nostr event signer. Ooh, that should be interesting. Uh, Nostr UI UX development. Nostr use cases exploration and education. The first five grants are sourced from our general fund. The last three being Nostr projects from our Nostr fund. This brings the total number of OpenSat grants grants to forty-one, adding to the grants we previously announced in July. Once again, let's take a closer look at each of the projects and see how they align with the OpenSAT's mission. BDK, the Bitcoin Development Kit, is a set of libraries and tools that allow you to seamlessly build cross-platform on-chain Bitcoin wallets without having to re-implement standard Bitcoin data structures, algorithms, and protocols. BDK is built on top of the powerful Rust Bitcoin and Rust Miniscript libraries and adds features for managing descriptor-based wallets, syncing wallets to the Bitcoin blockchain, viewing transaction histories, managing and selecting UTXOs to create new transactions, uh, signing, and more. The core BDK components are written in Rust, but the team also maintains Kotlin and Swift language bindings for use in mobile projects. There are also Python bindings and React Native and Flutter support is being actively developed. LNBits is used by a multitude of projects in the Bitcoin space, especially as part of their Lightning Payment stack. Being easy to build on through its extension framework, LNBits has been pioneering various cutting-edge solutions and experiments in the world of Bitcoin, Lightning, and Nostr. Watch Descriptor is a CLN plugin written in Rust that connects a business's treasury wallet to its CLN node. It utilizes CLN plugin and the BDK library to track coin movements in registered wallets and report this information to the Bookkeeper plugin. The plugin enables businesses to design a complete treasury using Miniscript and import the resulting descriptor into CLN. Since Bookkeeper already accounts for all coin movements internal to CLN, the plugin is the last piece businesses need in order to unify all their Bitcoin accounting in one place. And that enables businesses to account for all inflows and outflows from their operations, streamlining, streamlining tax reporting and financial analysis. The watch descriptor project is part of a broader vision to transform the lightning node, particularly CLN, into a financial hub for businesses, enabling them to conduct operations without reliance on any third parties. I, I'm pausing to say that this is going to be critical for all the people that have been screaming win retail because a shit like this. Is, it, it, it hasn't been in the in the wild yet. This, the ability for me to conduct business by keeping track at the Satoshi level of incoming funds versus outgoing funds is critical if I'm going to actually be doing business in Bitcoin with Bitcoin. Otherwise, you know, for for like the small amounts of Satoshis that I get on my lightning node when people are like, you know, boosting the episode or streaming me sats. No, I'm not going to report that. Not yet, because it 's too damn small, however, with stuff like this, you know if if you get to the point where like a, you know an actual real amount of you know substantial money on a year over year basis starts flowing through my node, i don 't want to go to jail, so yeah, i'm going to have to comply with u s authorities, and the more this stuff hangs around, the more they're going to want you to actually report that shit, and i don 't want to go to jail. Is tax theft? Yes, tax is theft. I get it. But I don't want to go to jail more than I want to be able to scream tax is theft. Do you understand? All right. The bookkeeping plug-in part of this watch descriptor is critical for anybody doing business now and in the future. And the faster that thing can come online, the better. Now, into Stratum V2, and because they got a grant too for testing and benchmarking. Uh, The Stratum V2 testing and benchmarking tool allows the Bitcoin mining industry to test and benchmark Stratum V2 performance against Stratum V1. The tool supports different mining scenarios to help miners make informed decisions and evaluate the profitability. Fediment Modules and Resources is another grant and Fediment is a federated Chami and eCash mint backed by sats with deposits and withdrawals that can occur on-chain or via Lightning. It can be understood as a scaling and privacy layer as well as an adoption accelerator for Bitcoin. Amber, the Nostra event signer. Amber is a Nostra event signer for Android. It allows users to keep their Their private NOSTER key segregated in a single dedicated app. The goal of Amber is to have your smartphone act as a NIP-46 signing device without any need for servers or additional hardware. Quote, private keys should be exposed to as few systems as possible as each system adds to the attack surface, end quote, Uh, said the NIP. In addition to native apps, Amber aims to support all current NOSTER web applications without requiring any extensions or web servers on to Nostra UI UX development. The goal of this project is to help improve the UI UX of major Nostra clients, starting with gossip and Coracle, emphasizing the onboarding process as well as usability and accessibility one part of the onboarding is solving the discoverability—sorry, excuse me—the uh, discoverability problem that Nostr has in the first place. Solving the problem and jumping in and out of the Nostr world is what motivated the development of NJump, which was redesigned as part of these efforts and is now live at Nostr.com. Uh, and then Nostr use case exploration and education, and this is going to finish us out as of today. As of today, most Nostra clients implement social media applications on top of their Nostra protocol or on top of the Nostra protocol. However, Nostra allows for various use cases, many of which go beyond, way beyond social media. Two examples are Lister and Ostrich, a list management tool and job board respectively. In addition to use case exploration, this project will continue to educate users and developers alike, be it via NosterHow or various video series, like you know, explaining how to build upon NDK. Uh we have more grants in the pipeline. This is now this is back to the general uh, the general release notes for opensats.org. They've got more grants in the pipeline and will provide funding for many more projects in the future. Note that we can only fund those projects which, read out, which reach out and apply. If you are an open source developer who is aligned with the mission, don't hesitate to apply for funding. That's, I, I love the sentence, that because this is Matt O'Dell writing it as far as I'm, I don't know if he wrote it, but he's the one that, that's posted it. Um, I like this, this part of, the last, of this last paragraph. Note that we can only fund those projects which reach out and apply. Nobody knows you exist. I'm sorry. Even with, you know, I've been in the space for a long time, and I continuously have to remind myself that unless I reach out to somebody else in the space, they, I just assume that they don't know who the hell I am. They don't know what I want. They don't know what I need. They don't know what the hell I'm asking. They don't know anything about my history. They have no clue that I have a podcast. They have no clue that I've done it for five years. They just don't know. And I'm sorry about if I'm getting a little heated here, but it's important that if you've got something that you want a grant for, then you need to actually reach out and go get the grant. You can't continuously work on something and then expect somebody to know what the hell it is that you're doing. And I, while that sounds logical on the surface, humans are incredibly illogical and we get trapped all the time into, well, why doesn't anybody do, 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 do X? Well, it's because you didn't tell anybody about X. I mean, like the, the guy, like a, a, homie in, in that was wondering why the hell I didn't do a telegram chat a long time ago. I don't know. I'm not all that bright. I get distracted by shiny shit. I'm, I'm serious, dude. Unless you actually do all the things, then the things don't get done. If you don't reach out for a grant, you won't get one. If OpenSat says, you know what, we like your idea, but that's just not aligned with our mission, then go somewhere else. Don't get sad by that. It's okay that somebody is like, you know what, it's just not time for you yet. But don't stop doing what you're doing, right? Reach, go reach out to the guys over at OpenSats if you're a developer and get something done. You never know. It, you just never know. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, uh, Bitcoin and shitcoin number one are now less volatile than oil. <laughs> Coin Telegraph, Prashant Jha, the Bitcoin and shitcoin number one 90-day price volatility hit a new multi-year low in August. As the two top cryptocurrencies continue to trade under their key resistance of $30,000 and $2,000 respectively, according to data shared by crypto analytic firm Keiko, the 90-day volatility of BTC and okay, I'll say it, Ether hit 35 and 37 percent respectively, making it less volatile than oil, with volatility of. 41% such a decline in the price momentum of the top two crypto assets was last seen in 2016 apart from the 90 day volatility being its lowest in seven years, seven years. The, the volatility is the lowest it's been in seven years for Bitcoin. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over that because I didn't realize that it was the lowest that it has been in seven years. I've been in this space for an entirely, entirely too long because seven years ago was right around the time that I got into Bitcoin 2015. Okay, seven, eight, and I got in right in smack dab in the middle of the lull period of the bear market of 2015. 250 bucks, it didn't get to like 300 until like, a couple of months later, or at least a handful of weeks later, and it just stayed there and stayed there and stayed there. And then when it hit, you know, 19,800, that was my first bull run and talk about exhilaration. Oh oh, yeah. And then we get into another bear market and then we get the run up pre the whole FTX and all that, all that crap collapsing. And now we're right back. So who knows, man? I mean, yes. Are we seeing price depression in, in the Bitcoin price today? Yeah. You know why? Because the Fed yesterday, Jerome Powell, opened his mouth and he said, hey, don't think we're, we're not thinking about more rate hikes for the interest rate. And the minute, the minute they said that, everything got launched. Bitcoin, gold, stock markets. Everything just kind of, uh, and that was right after China gave a whole bunch of numbers about how, you know, that their economy is really just kind of like, eh, there's not really a whole lot of recovery. It was they they called it disappointing numbers out of China. And then the very next day or the day after that, you got Jerome Powell saying, I, you know, we could, we could hike rates again. And I suspect that they probably will. I don't think they have to, but they probably will just to scare the bejesus out of all the rest of the crap that they want to shake out of the tree. Like a lot of banks, they want to shake a lot of banks out of the tree. Why? I don't know. I wish I could tell you, but that is the reason they're doing that or the, the effect of what the fed has been doing at this point, you're way past retail. You're into really shaking the tree of institutional. So they want some more institutions to fall out of the tree. I don't know what to tell you, but the fact that Bitcoin's volatility is the lowest it has been in seven years, I can only hope that that means that we're at that sweet spot where I got in at 2015. That's what I hope. All right. So let's move, moving on. PayPal. We've got, let's see, make sure that I've got this one. Okay. Yeah. PayPal confirms it is pausing crypto purchases for United Kingdom customers. Decrypt Matt DeSalvo or yeah, DeSalvo. PayPal is temporarily pausing crypto purchases for British customers. UK users won't be able to buy cryptocurrencies on the platform. The company confirmed today, Uh, quote, we are temporarily pausing the ability. For United Kingdom customers to buy crypto through PayPal as we work to satisfy new regulatory requirements, a representative said. The spokesperson did not expand on why the platform would be pausing purchases, but added that users who currently hold crypto can keep it on their platform at no charge and are also able to sell their currency at any time. Screenshots of an email reportedly sent to British customers circulated on Twitter yesterday suggesting that PayPal would temporarily pause crypto buys in October. PayPal would not confirm to decrypt if the screenshots were legit. UK customers could only buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. British regulators are getting stricter with crypto. Last month, the Financial Conduct Authority said that companies promoting cryptocurrencies must abide by their existing financial promotion regime by October the 8th. The the payments platform first launched the feature back in 2020 for American customers. Customers were not able to move the currencies out of their PayPal account. At first, PayPal held the asset's On its users' behalf, PayPal then gave British customers the option in 2021, again, only to buy, sell, and hold digital assets. Last year, the platform finally, finally allowed its users to move their crypto to external wallets and hardware devices instead of just holding them on PayPal. PayPal last week announced the launch of a native dollar peg stablecoin backed by cash equivalents and short-term treasuries. It will run on the Ethereum blockchain and be issued by Paxos Trust Company. So PayPal basically pulling the plug on the UK people and not giving them very much reason other than, well, we're going to make sure that we satisfy regulatory stuff. Yeah, 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 sure. That's not what concerns me. That's No, that doesn't concern me at all. You know what concerns me? is this note on Noster from Nakedai. I think that that's how you pronounce it. N-A-K-A-D-A-I, Nakedai. That's how I've always pronounced it. Known him for a while, or at least been following him for a while, I should say, on both on Twitter and on Noster, and now, well, on Telegram. I, I've been in and out of Telegram for a few years. I just keep leaving it, but this time I'm not going to. Anyway, he's got a screenshot, and this shit should make everybody pause, All right? It says new Bitcoin asset protection, protection fork proposal by BlackRock, backed by a major public miners. Just kidding. It's PayPal's new USD stablecoin, and he's got a screenshot that has three functions and whatever whatever programming language. Now, well, whatever programming language is being screenshotted here, according to Naked Eye, is, is the program that is behind PayPal's new USD stablecoin. I've asked him to confirm it. I don't know if he has. In fact, let me check uh, if he's gotten back to me on this. I don't think he has. So here's the thing. I cannot tell if this is from PayPal. I asked Nakadai if it is. He hasn't answered me yet. I can't find anything in the news. But let's go ahead and presume that the following is actually in the code for USD Stablecoin. Again, there are three functions. Function named freeze. This freezes an address balance from being transferred that's the developer comment. Okay, so part of the there's some, some comments in the programming that say, "Hey, this is what the function does." And then there's the function, and it, and the function is live. That means it's the function itself is not commented out. It's actually in production. Right. The next function is called unfreeze. It unfreezes an address balance allowing transfer. And here's the kicker, function named. Wipe frozen address. This wipes the balance of a frozen address and burns the tokens. So if this is to be believed, and like I said, I can't confirm it, then PayPal's USD-backed stablecoin can freeze your wallet and burn your tokens. And you got shit to say about it. They don't care. Like I said, I want to iterate. I don't know if this is actually from PayPal's stablecoin code, but it would not surprise me at all. Let's move on, but keep, you know, got to keep that shit in mind, okay? So just watch out for this whole PayPal stablecoin thing. Here's the worst ways to lose your Bitcoin. (laughs) Go out with a bang here. This one's written by Constantine Rabin for Bitcoin Magazine. When it comes to doing stupid things, we all have had our own experiences, but few mistakes are as costly as the ones made with Bitcoin. Over the years, I've seen friends lose chunks of BTC due to some avoidable mistakes, and dare I say, I myself have not been immune to that shit either. It is estimated that around 3.7 million BTC has been lost over the years thanks to blunders, misadventures, and circumstances of all sorts. That accounts for nearly 20% of all currently minted Bitcoin, and that number of lost BTC keeps growing. In this article, we'll share some of the crazier stories that I have heard, experienced, embellished, or concocted to illustrate how one might lose their holdings and what you can do to avoid becoming the punchline of the next Silly lost Bitcoin story. The laptop that flew away. One of my friends, let's call him Alex for posterity's sake, was an early Bitcoin enthusiast. It took some time before he was ready to buy in, though. And after saving, you know, a saving spree and setting up a new laptop that would be used purely for crypto trading, he finally took the plunge and invested a decent chunk of cash into it. There he sat on the 10th story balcony of his apartment. And well, you can probably see where this is going. He had just set up a new wallet, bought some BTC, and within five minutes, the computer had made its way down from the 10th floor to the street below. His laptop was destroyed, and with it, the Bitcoin that he was securing on it. How exactly this happened is still a matter of debate, as Alex claims the wind did it, but I suspect that he probably caused it all by himself. This was a massive blunder on his part, but avoiding it, has a very simple solution. Always write your security phrase and private key down securely before depositing any Bitcoin into a corresponding wallet. Keep a hard copy of your wallet. It is always safer than storing everything in cold storage on a single device. So tip number one, always back up your private keys in multiple secure locations, preferably offline the not-so-secret phrase. Sarah, another fake name, decided to use a seed phrase that would be unforgettable to create her new Bitcoin wallet. The idea was simple. Just take a page from a classic book and use it as it is. Well, guess what? It was a stupid idea. Not only did she use a common book to choose a phrase from, she even shared the idea on a Bitcoin forum. Soon enough, She had a few new followers on Instagram and after nice conversations chatting with these new friends about her hobbies and the books that she enjoys reading, she woke up one morning and her Bitcoin wallet was empty. This might seem like a very stupid choice and an unlikely result, but a silly mistake like this can cost you a lot in the end. There's a very good reason why most wallets use random phrases. And just like creating a strong password for other sites, it is always best not to use a sequence that can be brute forced so easily. So tip number two, keep your seed phrase private. Keep it random and avoid mentioning anything about it online or in public conversations. The unlucky hard drive. Then there was James who got into Bitcoin mining in its early days. This was back when it was still possible to mine from home with your old gaming rig and a graphics card. He dug up his old PC, made sure it was all working, went through the process of turning it into a miner, and sat back amassing a bit of BTC. Okay, to be fair, he didn't mine millions, but he did manage to mine a bit and stored it all on an old HDD external hard drive. It's not hard to imagine what came next. The hard drive failed. And despite trying every data recovery method known to man, he was unable to retrieve his lost coin. For James, it all went to pot, as the hard drive he used were still some of those old non-solid state ones, and all of the data it contained was lost. When it comes to hard drives, the failure rate of hard disk drives over solid state drives is significant. So also make sure to go for a drive that is more robust just in case. The fake giveaway. The protagonist of our next tale was just getting into cryptocurrency when he bought a few BTC, followed industry influencers, and was doing all the things that a good Bitcoin bro should do. Then one day, he stumbled upon an exciting opportunity offered by none other than a fake Twitter account impersonating a well-known crypto celebrity, an all-too-common occurrence. The scammer promised to double any BTC sent to a specific address, and believing that some rich celebrity would have his best interest at heart, he sent his coin to the scammer and it was all over. The sad thing is, after his negative experience, he dropped out of the crypto world and will probably never return to it. The story of his loss will echo out and discourage even more people from getting involved with Bitcoin. But as the old adage goes, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Just be smart and don't fall for stupid scams. Tip number four, be cautious of online scams, fake giveaways, and always verify the authenticity of any cryptocurrency promotion. Coffee shop arbitrage. Now it's time to share one of my own mishaps. My friends and I used to meet at a small coffee shop halfway between our apartments to sit and chat while doing a bit of day trading with BTC. The coffee shop accepted Bitcoin, which made it the perfect place for us to chill. Being the cautious guy that I am, my trustworthy hardware wallet was at hand as I considered it the safest way to store cryptocurrency. So far, so good, right? No scams. I'm using a hardware wallet. Have my private key written down in my safe at home. And all best practices have been followed. But then, while comparing exchanges, I noticed a decent arbitrage opportunity between a Korean exchange and the one I had been primarily using for trading. So, I jumped on the opportunity, bought at one price, and was ready to go sell on a Korean exchange for a decent amount of profit. I sent the BTC from one exchange to the other, and I waited. As I sat there watching the screen, the price went up on the Korean exchange. Well, actually... The price of BTC went down overall, but in the 10 minutes that it took for the transaction to clear, the Korean exchange had closed the gap and the price was now the same as on the other exchange. There I sat, transaction fee paid, my Bitcoin on an exchange. I did not want it on and all for nothing. To be fair, this is perhaps the smallest loss that I have mentioned, but it is something that can be avoided easily enough. Bitcoin is a long game and it's all about the hodl. If you try to make a quick buck, you will probably run into some problems. So tip five, play it safe. Bitcoin is a long-term investment. Just keep your coins safe, bro. Okay, so these are just a few ways in which you could stupidly use your Bit- lose your Bitcoin holdings. While there are sur- surely many other ways to do that, the five tips coming from these stories should serve everyone who is interested in Bitcoin. It all boils down to not being greedy, not falling for scams, not chasing mismatched prices on some exchange or another. Remember to keep your seed phrase secure and randomized and keep everything securely offline so as not to lose all of your BTC if some software or hardware errors occur. And above all, always keep in mind that investing in Bitcoin is a long-term endeavor that will only truly pay off if you hang on to your coins in a safe and secure way. So there you go. It's really good advice, by the way, because these literally are the five easiest ways that people lose their Bitcoin. There, like you said, there's other ways, but these five, these are like the top five instances that I've seen in my seven to eight year history in Bitcoin. Never, never freaking fails. All right, what do we got here? Looks like that is it. So we're going to end the morning roundup. Here we go with Dad says jokes. Dolphin baby, how did you and Mom meet? Dolphin dad, we met in school. Dolphin mom, don't. Dolphin dad, and we just clicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. I still like it. Um, okay. So, I don't know if uh you guys are enjoying the Noster Nesting or not. I do need feedback. Uh, so any of you guys that were there today, should I continue to do it? Just let me just let me know, yes or no. I might just do it anyway. I, I don't know. But without feet, see, this is what I was saying about the grant thing. If you don't ask, you will never know, right? So the Bitcoin and podcast now has a telegram group, right? Yes, it's late. I get it. I get it. Don't, you don't have to beat me over the head and shoulders with it. But if you guys got like, you know, news programs, if there's something or not programs, if you guys have like a bit of news that, that you think that I would want to cover, especially if it's like, if, if you guys are from other countries, like if there's anybody that's going to be listening from Africa, I love news about Bitcoin in Africa, but The Western media really doesn't ever report on what's going on in Kenya. So I have to depend on other people to tell me what's going on in there and Nigeria and all the other, you know, all the stuff that's going on on the African continent. And then if I've got any Latino brothers and sisters out there and you've got news of what's going on in Latin America, I love covering Latin America because Africa and Latin America, honestly, two most important places on the planet for Bitcoin and the future of the world in my opinion. You guys have been shit on long enough. It's time to—it's to, time for everybody to realize that it's the future is Latin America and Africa. So let's all stand up and give everybody from those continents a round of applause because you, the, the future is resting on you. Don't think that it's not. I'm not just saying that to kiss your ass. I'm—I'm I'm deadly serious. And you never know. I might just move—move move to Central America at one point or another since things are getting so ridiculously cleaned up there now it's I mean it's like from the stories that I'm hearing is like crime is plummeted in El Salvador Costa Rica's actually always been kind of nice but even there seems to be some people are taking taking this shit seriously and cleaning stuff up you know when Ecuador falls in line and starts cleaning up their messes then Central America is going to like anything between Mexico and the top of South America is going to be a blast And I want to be there for it at one point or another. And I hope you are too. Maybe we'll see you there when I see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.